you have your Bibles, you're going to need it. I'm going to give you a little bit of intro on ahead of time with this. But I would encourage you to look with me at the Word. Tonight we're calling this Faith 319, Basics of Faith and the Word of God. You know, there's an adage in football that says, when the razzle-dazzle fails, you go back to blocking and tackling. That's kind of what this is, is going over the fundamentals and being able to establish what do you believe and why do you believe it? We had an interesting discussion in our staff meeting day of those things and what an amazing testimony of all the different things what we've gone through in our journey to get to where we are today. And we're still on that journey. So I say this often, but I'm going to say it again. The process is the goal. Stay in the process. So the fundamentals of simple faith, of hearing. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I believe that it requires an anointing of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus because we've all crashed and burned with willpower more times than we care to admit, don't we, Jake? Yes, so those are areas of understanding, again, the necessity of the Word and the Spirit. These are the values that I've placed my life on, the Bridge Christian Fellowship. We adhere to this. It's an incredibly high value. So we can say, well, but is it the Bible? Yeah, it's the Bible, but it's Jesus. Jesus is the living word. He's also the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And some of us need to have our fire lit, and I'm hoping to do that. I taught a class a lot of years ago called Foundation Stones. We talked about salvation, baptism of the Spirit, communion, tithing, studying the Bible. We just went on all through those subjects. It was one of the most enjoyable seasons of my life is going over just the fundamentals and learning together how to walk together. And I think that's one of the things that he's been teaching me is how much we need each other and how to be able to do this together. We're body, we're family, we're the family of God. So let me just define a couple of things here for a moment. The basic is the essential facts or principles of a subject or a person, Jesus Christ. The foundation, substructure, starting point, bedrock, truth. So these are the things that we want to look at tonight, and particularly the word foundation. So if you go with me to the book of Luke, we're going to begin there, Luke chapter 6, and we're going to listen to Jesus himself and see what he has to say about these foundational areas and what action needs to be taken. Because, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I went to church for 33 years of my life, and I knew a lot of information, but I didn't have a revelation in the receiving of Jesus Christ. And when a man explained repentance to me, something changed deep in the core of my being and recognizing that I couldn't do this, I couldn't clean my act up. I was always trying to, to clean up stupid stuff that I've been doing over a long time frame. But when I repented and received Jesus as Lord of my life, everything changed. Now, he's still working on me, okay? I'm not, I'm not got it all together yet, but I'm in the process now and enjoying the process of walking with the Lord. So listen to Jesus here, starting with verse 46. Luke chapter 6. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, that will poke us in the heart. It sure does with me. 
says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid, here's our word, foundation upon the rock. And when a flood arose, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like the man who built a house upon the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. So having a foundation is an absolute essential. And a friend of mine said this a lot of years ago. He said, it's uh, putting the word of God in you is like putting the money in the bank. One day there will be a withdrawal. So our question is from time to time, what do you got in the bank? What do you believe? Do you have you given mental assent like I was doing for a lot of years to a truth? Or have we accepted and received it at the very core of our being that would change us and transform us? So faith is one of the things that's required in this. So faith doesn't come in your brains. Faith comes in your spirit, man, woman on the inside of you. This is where we lay hold of. See, we're, we're three-part being. I'm going to go into this a little bit more later on, but we're spirit, soul, and body. God is a spirit and we're created in his image. So we're spirit beings that have a soul and we live in a body. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's been mostly trained more than any of the other parts of our being. And it has an appetite. It has an appetite for the flesh. And it's a very selfish dimension. And it needs to be changed and transformed by the power of God. So the word that comes to us, the word needs to be acted upon. It needs to be received because it's supernatural. This is a work that you can't do on your own. No one can do this on their own. It is something that God does. And he says this to me often. Now, I've been saved for 45 years. But there's times the Lord will come and say to me, now, Les, dial down. Let me do for you that which you can never do for yourself. Because what's missing at that point in time is faith. I'm in the intellect trying with logic to figure out something supernatural. Now, the natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. He's incapable of it. But the spiritual man tries all things. And then verse 16 in this 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it, it says but we have the mind of Christ. So as we begin to think like he thinks, his word washes our brains out so that we act on it and we come into submission to the word of God. As James says, and I've used this often, but he says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul from going down some, down some sorry trail. You don't need to go down. But the quickenings and the promptings of the spirit of God require faith. Jesus Christ authors and he finishes faith. And that gives us great confidence. So I want to define faith again. We often use this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Like the Amplified there, it says, faith believes as real fact that which is not yet revealed to the senses. Now, New American Standard says, but faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So I want to take a look at that word, Assurance for a moment. Assurance also equates to substructure. It also equates to foundation. So if we read that scripture this way, now faith is the foundation of things hoped for or expected, 
the conviction or evidence or proof of things not seen. It's the not seen part that we have a trouble with because, man, I just, I, I just can't trust this. But trust is the issue. Trust in a person, not in the fact. And our soul man wants facts and figures and something tangible, something that we can hold on to. So this is foundational to it. So I'm going to investigate a little bit more on foundation. This is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. It says, no man can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's the bedrock. He's the place of stability. And he's unchangeable. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. Malachi says, I'm the Lord and I change not. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think sometimes we give mental assent to that, but when we're in the thick of it, sometimes it's hard to remember that. Because the greatest error that Adam made in the garden, when the snake was talking, he didn't go and ask God about it. He leaned to his own understanding. That's what took us into this sorry mess that we're all in right now. But Jesus Christ, the last Adam, came and was manifest to undo the work of the devil. And Jesus Christ, we exult in you. And so we're able to come and establish this foundational dimension. So let's review some of the basics of the fundamentals of salvation. So I'm going to ask you straight away, have you personally received Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? This is the most important decision any person can ever make. So I'm not going to dance around this because we're in this area. This is fundamental. And I know it made me incredibly nervous before I was saved. I love having people ask me that question now. But it made me nervous because I didn't have the right answer. And I was trying to come up with an answer that would satisfy the person that was asking me questions. So in essence, I was trying to be a man pleaser rather than a God pleaser. So mental assent to a truth it comes out of the soul, but there's no faith. So Jesus said to Nick, we'll go to John chapter 3. You can head over there. He says, you must be born again. Because Nick comes up and says, hey, listen, you got something going on here. You couldn't do this kind of thing, what you're doing, what we're seeing happening, except God was with you. And so Jesus answers him in an interesting way. He said, uh, to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nick says, hey, what is up with that? You mean you go back in mama's womb again? How does that work? So he was confused with that. Jesus answered down verse five in John chapter three. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which is natural birth and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. There's no option in this thing. This is clear, clear delineation of what Jesus is declaring to Nick in this time frame. Now, verse 8 is a very interesting verse. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not where, know where it is uh, where it comes from and where it is going, so everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you say, Les, how does, how does this born again thing work? You know, I don't know that. 
I just know it does because it's supernatural. God gives us life. He imparts something to us that you can never get on your own. Matter of fact, this one thing I had written down here, this is a supernatural act of God that gives us new birth, eternal life as we receive by faith the gift of God in Jesus Christ. It's something that is accepted because he offers it. We're going to look at Lobano here in just a moment, but I'm just going to run into that for a second and get ahead of myself because I love that word, to accept what is offered, not to refuse or reject. He offers us life in Christ Jesus, adopted into his very own family. So we're going to go over the process of receiving and believing. So what comes first in that dimension? So go with me back a page or two to John chapter 1. And I want to look at verse 12. Verse 12 has been an impactful verse for me because I remember going years ago to Santa Fuca Sunday School and I think Neil Norlag quoted John chapter 1, verse 12 every week because it poked me where I needed to be poked and I didn't like that. I thought, does this man know any other Bible verses at all? Well, I know exactly why he did it right now because I was one of those that needed to hear that because I had not received what it says here, but to as many as received him, that's our word lumbano, received him, to them he gave the right, privilege to become children of God, even to those that believe in his name. I really believe that you can't believe something you haven't received. It's an impartation of something supernatural. Jesus Christ authors faith and he finishes faith. Romans 12, 3 says, to every man has been given a measure of faith. So my question is, what are we doing with it? How have you used the faith that he's given to you? Have you received and accepted what he's offered? Or are you still trying to figure it out on your own? And these are tough questions. And we have to do this. And we're, and we're going to look at some more of these things for those. That isn't just for unbelievers. That is with believers right now. Are you operating out of the soul man? Are you operating out of your spirit man or woman on the inside of you? One has faith, others not so much. So we talked about the soul and the spirit. And just going to take that a little bit further in that area. The soul is kind of like a pendulum that swings back and forth between the spirit and the flesh. Simple math, two against one will win. So when my spirit soul man swings over to my spirit. It drags my flesh in places it doesn't want to go. But if I allow it to swing over to the flesh, then it drags my born again spirit in places it doesn't want to go or will prevent me from receiving what Jesus has because the appetite of the flesh is pretty strong. And we're going to look at that here in just a couple of moments. So if you will go with me to the book of Ephesians, I carry a little bit of a reputation around this place that Les loves Ephesians, and he does, because it's been so impactful in my life. And it continues to be that as well. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look. It's so interesting how Paul lays out the before and after of salvation in, in this chapter. And so I'm just going to start reading with verse 1. <clears throat> and you 
were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit, interesting term now, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of flesh and mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now what's interesting in the middle of verse three, it says the flesh and the mind, that's the two against one. That's preventing eternal life from being accepted and received. That's where the pendulum is swung over, flesh and mind, which mind is part of the, of the soul. And then verse four is one of the most precious verses. Um, but God, when it comes in there, but God, there's an interruption. Something's going to change in that area. And I remember I wasn't saved all that long and I was listening to a teaching. We were on vacation at so, uh, Sun Lakes over in Eastern Washington. And I had the little cassette recorder. Some of you all remember cassette tapes. They worked really well in, in, in a lot of teaching. And this person was reading out of the King James and he read that. I'm reading along in my Amplified. Read this verse here a minute. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Something hit my spirit at that point in time because I was reading in the Amplified and it says, in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. I had a fresh revelation of what it means to be loved by the living God. Something impacted my spirit. I just punched off that tape recorder. I just had to weep a bit as a revelation of the love of God for me personally, who had lived a pretty messed up life until that point. But see, faith works by love. There's an, there's an understanding of what it means to be loved, chosen, and, and set apart by the living God. He chose us before the foundation of the earth. The first part of Ephesians, man, I could just get off into that part right now because it was so revelatory to me. So the love of God, see, God's the love that he gave and he's never stopped. I don't care how long you've been saved, his love still establishes and continues to impart faith to us. These are basic, fundamental, foundational truths that need to be accepted and received. Not because we've done it right, it's because he's done it right and he's imparted to this as a gift. It's just, it's just beyond experience. Matter of fact, another verse just comes to mind with that. This is Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified, and it says that you may really practically through experience for yourselves come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Verse 20 says, and now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask, think, or even imagine. Here's the phrase, according to the power that is at work within you. This is supernatural power. That's what faith does. It changes and transforms how you think and how you process information. You get out of being soul stuck into being Holy Ghost empowered by the spirit of the living God because Jesus has given us a helper. I'm into next week's teaching already, but this is something that you need to get a hold of because in order to receive the saving work of Jesus Christ, it's an empowerment and a revelation that's given by the Holy Spirit to be able to help us with this. So let's carry on here. 
verse five, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Now the word there is sozo. It's an incredibly powerful word. So I want to stop here for a minute. I want to define sozo because it encompasses a tremendous amount. And then we're going to continue on in this area. Sozo defined, and this is out of Thayer's lexicon and some other areas as well. It means to heal, preserve, save, make whole, rescue from danger and destruction, keep safe, to save from judgment, to make one a partaker of salvation by Christ. I love this one. Um, that I stumbled onto in there as well. And it says, since salvation begins in this life, so when you receive Jesus, an eternal life doesn't begin when you go to heaven. It begins when you make Jesus Lord of your life. There's an eternal quality of life to be received now. So it begins in this life in deliverance from error and corrupt notions, in moral purity, in pardon of sin, and in the blessed peace of a soul reconciled to God, that on the visible return of Christ from heaven, we will be perfected in consummate blessing. We haven't begun to see that which eye has not seen or ear heard or entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But he reveals them to us by his spirit. And that begins now. I think my insight into, into the word of God, into the written word of God, what it is now, before I was saved, it's like day and night. I read words on a page and I had no revelation at all. I had information. I do well in Bible quizzes, but I had no, no Jesus. And that's the bottom line in all of these things. So let's look at a couple of places where the word sozo is used in a little bit different context. So you can keep your finger in Ephesians. We're coming back there, but go with me to Matthew Chapter 1, and Joseph finds out that Mary is with child, and he's thinking, man, I got big trouble, and we're going we're gonna to need to put this woman away, and we don't want to em embarrass her or shame her, but this is not a good scene. Verse 20, <clears throat> and, and when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For what has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save, there's our word, sozo, his people from their sins. So this is very clearly salvation. It's prophesied, predicted. It's been all through the Old Testament from Genesis 3.15 right on into where we are right now. Into this present day is the prophetic word of Jesus and who he was and what he has come to do. Now, stay in Matthew there. Go with me to chapter 9. And we're going to look at here the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She's come up behind Jesus and she says to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. This woman had been suffering with a hemorrhage for, for 12 years. And so this is, again, a supernatural dimension. So watch this. <clears throat> 
Verse 22, but Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Sozo. So it's divine healing here. And at once the woman was made well. So this is an, uh, an amazing dimension. It encompasses all of life, spirit, soul, and body. One more I want to take a look at with us. They've got a whole list of these things. You can go to Strong's Concordance. The number is 4982. And you can look and see all the different places this is used. But in Hebrews chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 25, and it's speaking of Jesus, explaining all that he does and all that he's about. It says, hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. That's, our, again, our word sozo. He's able to save. He saves to the uttermost. He saves completely. And he, it's forever. Again, it's the supernatural power of God. And I love the phrase there, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Does he pray for us? Oh, yeah, absolutely he does. But the intercessory work of Jesus is the sozo process, the completion of that. And I have a little phrase that I use often. It's you, you get saved, you get born again once. But I tell you what, it's also ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural process. That's sanctification. Rick's been talking a lot about this. It's one of the things that is a continuum in our life that changes and transforms how we process information. Okay, back to the book of Ephesians. Picking up with verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know how many times in Christ or in him is in the book of Ephesians, but it's just everywhere in that area. It's the supernatural place where we've been put into him. And he's in us. John 17 explains that whole thing. Now, how does that work? I haven't got a clue how it works. I just know it does because it's spirit, it's supernatural, and it's power of God that changes and transforms how we process together. Verse 7, in, that, in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, there's our word, sozo again, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, now, unless you said there's, this is not of works, and then all of a sudden we're created in Christ for good works. Well, what's up with that? Well, you know, sometimes we're trying to do the good works to clean our act up. And the works do not precede the relationship, they follow it. See, we've had the cart before the horse. We've had the horse in the cart. We've had the ho horse under the cart, none of which is as successful at all. Now, I'm not liking Jesus to the horse, but I'll tell you what, somebody's got to be leading. We best be following in that area. So getting it in order. You can't do enough good stuff to be saved. You know, works just don't cut it. That's why I said it's not of works. 
But there are things that flow out of the relationship that confirm the relationship. There's a demonstration. Paul says, I didn't come to you in word only, but I came in demonstration of the spirit and power. The power of God transforms and change a murderer in essence to a proclaimer and apostle of Jesus Christ and does the same thing with us. It changes and transforms. And it did me and it's still working on me and I love it. Okay, in John 3, Sozo is in verse 17 in John 3. It's also God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. There's our word sozo again. Now we're talking about the process of salvation, receiving that. Romans chapter 10 is a great place to look at that. And so I would suggest you go with me to Romans chapter 10. And we're going to walk down through a bit of this. There's, there's a series of scriptures in Romans uh, called the Romans Road. And Romans is an incredible doctrinal truth that Paul lays out in the way of salvation. And, but I want to enter it interested in the basics and the fundamental areas of receiving Jesus Christ personally. And this is one of the best explanations, I think, biblically that's there. Because you know the old sinner's prayer. I prayed that thing a few times, you know, but I prayed it with my intellect. You can't even find that in the Bible, but you can find this. And it's defined really well. So starting with verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Key word there, the word of faith, which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Sozo again. For with a heart, man believes. Now I want to stop there for a minute because heart is in essence a combination of soul and spirit. That's what produces heart. So trusting in the Lord with all of your heart requires soul and spirit to be together. So the soul isn't trying to pull the spirit off into some other or drag the flesh into, into the relationship. No, the relationship has to be established in the heart because faith comes and an anointing of God comes and we have what I like to call the aha moment where you see it and you didn't see it before. The God of this world blinds the mind of the unbelieving, but when the revelation of Jesus Christ comes, you see it. So how did I miss that? Well, there's a blinding factor. Remember, we talked about the spirit of disobedience that's still functional in the world again. I, I guarantee you, with all the craziness that's going on in our world right now, that's exactly what's going on. The enemy is trying to drag off to hell as many people as possible. And we have the privilege of being proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. It's universal invitation not universal salvation, that's got to be a decision of the will. Jake and I were talking about this soul man. This is where the will comes into this thing. It's, it's incredibly important. He gives us choice in this. 
And next week, we're going to look a lot about, uh, of choosing, but I'll give you a foretaste of this, a little. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20 says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him, for he is your life in the length of your days. So the choosing of life, this is what we have been offered, free will to choose, and there's supply of faith to be able to do it. That's the amazing part. He, he tells us what to do, then gives us the empowerment to do it. Your choice is to take hold of that or not. Verse 13, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, sozo again. It's the supernatural delivering power of death and bringing us into life in Christ Jesus. Okay, now go to, with me to the book of Titus. You find the T's with Thessalonians, first and second, and then you find first and second Timothy, and then you will find Titus. And this is a beautiful section as well. I'm using a lot of scripture in this because I don't want you to miss any of this. Because if this foundation of salvation, I don't care what you operate in spiritual gifts or more understanding or anything else. If you haven't got this part right, you ain't got it. Not good English, but it says what I want to say. <clears throat> Chapter 3, starting with verse 4. But when the kindness, notice this, the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. Now, if you look across the page of chapter 2, at least in my Bible, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's any question about whether Jesus is God or not, this section here in Titus brings confirmation of who he is. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So this is our foundation of faith and a checkpoint for us. So my question is, is our faith in Jesus solid or have we left first love? Hearts can grow cold or we become disappointed or disillusioned when we don't begin to see what we want God to do. So the question is, how is yours and mine? So go over uh, to the right a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter 3. There was a season I was stuck in Hebrews 3 and chapters 3 and 4 for an extended time frame. And I would, would ask the Lord, now, can I go on? And he'd say, read it again, son, read it again. I cannot tell you over the length of time how many times there was fresh revelation that came to me in this area. But one of the things that stood out very clearly in the re repeated areas today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The hardness of heart we're seeing manifest in our world big time right now. And sometimes it's with Christian people who become offended or angry or disillusioned for whatever reason. And it tends to close the heart off. This is a cognizant decision of the will. So listen with me in chapter 3, starting with verse 12. 
It says, take care, brethren, lest there should be an... Now, he's talking to Christian folk here, okay? Brethren, take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened in the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance or confidence or foundation. We saw that same word earlier, firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoke me. Now I was going to read this verse at the beginning, but I want to go back to the verse I read it to start with there in 2 Timothy. Because the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And you begin to, to look and see what the Word of God has to say. And the Word, the Word of God, there's a stability in the written Word of God along with the spoken Word of God that will keep us on the trail and walking with Him and walking in peace and walking in confidence. Sometimes trap, uh, chapter divisions pull us off the mark because we think, well, it changes subject. No, it doesn't. Many times. The context is huge. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to start, or 3 rather, chapter 3, starting with verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Man, you could just stop right there and camp there for a day or so. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. Now, he's going on exhorting Pastor Tim to get on with it. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season or out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with great patience and instruction. Now, I need to make this really clear. I'm a pastor and I preach from time to time, but I guarantee you every one of you has something to say to someone somewhere along the line. And there's a whole lot more preaching and pastoring that needs to be done than what it needs to be done from this pulpit or the one out outside. And everyone that knows Jesus has got something to say and it needs to be said. Because there are people right now that need to hear something and there's a, there's a vulnerability to the gospel of Jesus Christ like I don't think I've seen in my lifetime. Because when people have no felt need, they well, fine, I don't need this church thing. What are you doing? It's kind of like the thing Rick was sharing about Bill Gates recently in that area. I, I, don't, I could be doing something more profitable. No, you couldn't. The most profitable thing is, is to be sozo, huh, Jay? Get saved. Receive Jesus because you're going to go to hell if you don't. You know, heaven's real and hell's hot. You've got to make a decision. Now, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own, it says desires, but it's also lust. It's the lust of the flesh. We're going to talk some more about that next week. It says the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father. And will turn aside, will turn, excuse me, they will turn away their ears from the truth and will, and will turn aside to myths. Now the Amplified says that man-made fictions or fables, that's really what it is. And Don and I are reading through Jeremiah right now and Jeremiah runs into this all the time. We've got these so-called prophets that are prophesying everything's going to be great, you know, no problem. You know, you know, don't worry about Babylon. The temple's still standing. Everything's cool. And Jeremiah says, man, this thing is coming undone. You better get it together. And so we're in the same song, second verse. And we're just smooth in the middle of that area. And so they're accumulating teachers that will tell them what they want to hear rather than what the word of God says. The word of God is designed as a sword that divides between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the mirror and the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Boy, I'll tell you what, when Rick has said this uh, a number of years ago, he says, sometimes the word of God just offends me because it pokes me where I don't want to be poked. And, Ooh, really? Let's talk about something else. And the Lord said, no, read it again less. That's why he had it in there. And I think the key thing that I came away with out of that six months time frame was look out for a hard heart. And man, we can go from a soft heart to a hard heart in a heartbeat. And I really believe that God is empowering us to keep our hearts soft in this season to one another and to lost folk. And one of the things, there's a word in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it says you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may carry away and enjoy to the full what's been promised. There's a number of people in, in my 30s before I came to the Lord that endured with me when I was as rebellious as the day is long, but they never quit. They continued to intercede. They continued to invite me to come and participate. So please don't give up on family and friends and relatives or whoever God puts in your path. Be a preacher and preach the word. Amen. Now, one of the things that I have learned the hard way from the Lord, because Donna accuses me of this, that I want to tell them everything you know in 15 minutes or less. And I do. It's just not appropriate. So the Lord had said to me a number of times, now let's give them this much. Give them this part of the verse. That's all they need right now. And then you be done because I'm done. That's all they need. So being aware of what the Spirit of God is doing, do it with him. Do your part. Because he said from also from time to time, if I'm not doing anything, please don't do anything. Those are the places where I forced something and made messes that I had to clean up and later and apologize for. Because it wasn't him, it was flesh. Now, keeping the heart soft. This is a process. Um, go with me back into Hebrews again, and we're going to continue on. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 23 and 20, uh, through 25. <clears throat> Keeping of the heart soft is something that, I don't even thought of this term before, but it's body ministry, one to another. We help each other. Romans uh, 1, verse tw uh, 12, yeah, 1 verse 12 says, being mutually encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. We need each other. 
Um, let me read this scripture here for a second, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that part. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, he remains faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 24 says, Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy. And he also will do it. That is, fulfill his call to you by hallowing and keeping you. So Jesus said, you know, when you're overburdened with whatever's coming down, he says, come to me. Just come here. Come as you are, not as you ought to be. I say it all the time because I believe that. Because sometimes we try to clean our act up first and then go to Jesus with it. Or we're shamed or embarrassed because we're so screwed up at the time. And he said, no, just bring your stuff. Just come. I love you. Come here. That's the love call, and it's always the same. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Sometimes we need to be provoked, particularly when we see somebody wandering off or they're in depression or they're angry or frustrated or whatever else, coming alongside. Sometimes they're not ready to hear anything. But I'll tell you what, being prayed for, and I've done this with countless people and had it done to me, I said, could I pray for you? I haven't been turned down too many times when people are all stirred up about whatever. Now, I have been a time or two, but I always tell them, well, I won't pray now, but I'm going to pray later for you. <laughs> you can't stop me from praying. I'm sorry. It just, it just won't work. But when we begin to intercede, something shifts in the spirit realm. That's why the enemy fights prayer so much. Prayer is huge. It moves things in the spirit realm. It moves me. It changes me. It doesn't necessarily change the situation. Immediately, it changes me. I move from anger or frustration into a place of faith again, and I come in receiving the Lombano part, what is being offered to me, because he's offering love to me. Come here. And what's interesting, he always makes me look him in the eye. I don't want to look him in the eye right at that point in time. He said, now look at me. I love you. Come and receive what I have for you. And then he speaks to me. I remember one of the things that was so struck me. I'm in the middle of the night, all stirred up about something. And he said this so clearly. He said, be still and know that I am your God. And he emphasized the your God. And I was reminded of that again in the last couple of days. It's that relational intimacy is children with their father. And Jesus said this. In, in John there, he says, the Father himself loves you. That's the basis of all this. This whole sozo thing only works by love because it requires faith that he imparts to it. Now, this is where we do it together. We're going to stir one another up, not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, I'll tell you what, we're having precursors of, I think, tribulation things that are in a swirl right now around the world. And it's time for people to quit monkeying around and get on with this. And so we don't need to be ugly or Bible thumpers or any of that area. But one of the things that I've used from time to time, I have some things in my heart. May I share my heart with you? So I'm asking permission. If they give permission to do that, I'll say, now listen, some of this is spiritual. Would it be okay if I talked to you about spiritual things? They give me the okay, that's an open door. And I just, I walk right through that. If they say, I don't want to talk about spiritual things. Say, okay, maybe later. And I go right back into intercession. I don't bail on them. I continue to pray even more at that point in time. 
Because Paul says, pray for me that a door of utterance might be granted unto me that I may speak the word as boldly as I ought to speak. When I have permission, speak on. And I'll say often, I love you enough to say this to you. And then be able to speak with clarity and with definition. It doesn't do anybody any good to dance around this stuff and water it down. So this whole section in here of trying to hold fast our confession, etc., it's easy to slip into works at this point in time. So Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it's impossible to please him who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because a soul man always wants to do something. This is where the works gets in. Clean our act up, etc. But there's no faith with that. We've talked about that before because it's got reason, logic, and human ability. And it says not of works. But the spirit man is hungry and willing to receive in faith what is offered by the faith that is given. Remember we talked about this earlier To Every man is given to measure faith. So what are we doing with that? How are we exercising faith? So this is most important for us personally and for anyone that we have the privilege of leading to Jesus. Now here's another, it's almost a paradoxical scripture in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, there we are back into works again. But verse 13 says, and I love it to amplify it, it says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work within you Here's the phrase, creating effective energy and desire both to will and to do for his good pleasure, not mine, but to coming into a place of receiving his intended purpose and being able to carry that out. Again, it's that supernatural part of the sozo that we've been talking about. So I want to kind of draw this to a conclusion because we need to have our own identity of who you are in Christ Jesus, that we're sons and daughters of the living God. In first, our 2 Corinthians 6, it says, and I will be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. The Lord gave this word in Isaiah to me at the, at the beginning of 2020. And it says, he will be stability in your times, a wealth of wisdom and salvation. And the fear of the Lord is his treasure. The wisdom and the salvation and the fear of the Lord are vitally united to one another. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. And it's not terror but it's a holy awe and a respect and it promotes the area of obedience in carrying out where we hear his voice and we obey him in detail. That's what gives us life. That's what brings us stability. Everybody's looking for some dimension of still stability. And one of the reasons is that everything that can be shaken is being shaken, but we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and the king and the kingdom come together. I think that a lot of times people are hunting stuff out of the kingdom, but they're not willing to surrender to the king. The king is Jesus Christ, and he's the Lord. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And this is something he explained to me a number of years ago. He said, I want you to know me as creator. He said, you believe that I created the world and everything in it, but you do not believe that I would create for you what does not now exist within you. This is how he creates in us power and desire both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I experienced this a number of times because this is kind of simple stuff, but he said to me, listen, don't tell me you want to do something when you don't. I said, but I do. He said, no, you don't. He says, watch where your feet go. You can tell what's in a, in a person's heart by where their feet go. Jesus said, he hears these words of mine and acts on them. I'll show you what he's like. This is the foundational thing that we started with. Well, there's a continuum of that. So he said, tell me you don't want to do what I want you to do, what I've asked you to do. Ask me to create in you the power to do it. I will give you the faith to do this. And I've literally felt this multiple times where like a little switch flips on the inside of me and all of a sudden I want to do what I didn't want to do 10 minutes ago. That's when faith comes. There's a wrestling through until the heart lets go. And I always tell people, don't miss the wrestling through part. Don't give mental assent to something you don't believe because you haven't received the faith to do it or to carry out or to be saved or to be saved some more. But come into a place where God does something in you and produces something supernatural that you want to do. Because when he gets the want to, he said, that's when the process actually begins. Desire to accept and receive who he's made you to be in Christ Jesus. So the assurance of salvation, I want us to look at a couple of things in that dimension as well. If you go with me to, to 1 John, those are the Johns just before Revelation. John chapter 5. I mentioned Neil Norlag earlier Pete Keevy was my uh, Sunday school teacher, and I think he quoted out of 1 John 5 every week, which was another thing I needed to hear desperately at that point in time. And starting with verse 11 of chapter 5, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. Now, not earned. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't pay it back, but you can receive it. And that's the bottom line. It's the gift of God. And this life is in his son. <laughs> Man, I can hear Pete like it was yesterday. He just went to heaven recently. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Remember the word in Deuteronomy we were talking about? Calling heaven and earth to record. Choose life. When you choose Jesus, you got life. You haven't got it. These things I have written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. You've got to know this. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll ask people about their spiritual condition. And I say, well, I hope so. Man, at that point in time, we got to know that. Because, I, you know, all I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 16. Well, where's it at now? Have you wandered away? Is this real? Is it solid for you now? If you die tonight, do you know that you would go to heaven? You've got to know that. And that's why John lays this out so clearly. Verse 14, and this is a confidence which we have before him, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. Now, the Amplified says that we have as our present possession the things that we've asked of him. So this is tangible and it's real, and yet you can't see it necessarily in the natural realm. It's what faith is, the things not seen or not yet seen. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work within you would surely see it to a close even to the day of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 4.16 says, come therefore boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of need. Well-timed, appropriate help coming just when you need it. One more time back to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1. This section, when I got saved, I got saved pretty radically. But when I had a, a fresh revelation of the Father heart of God for me personally, I think it was more radical in the, the transforming part of my life. I'm going to start reading with verse 3. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now in the New King James, that last phrase is, was my life changer. It says, Where, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I wasn't even acceptable to myself in that season. And I was still, even after I was saved, I was still, there was just so much mess that needed to be cleaned up. But that was so revelatory to me that I was acceptable to him because of what Jesus Christ had done. And I think there's a lot of you out there that are in that same dimension that you're still working at something that you need to receive. And you need to be able to come into a place of by the spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh rather than to trying to clean up your act with soul power. You need Holy Spirit power to be able to transform, to be transformed. See, in Ephesians, a little further on, it says to be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind so that we recognize that we can lay aside the old self and we take what is being offered to us in Christ Jesus. So this is my heart cry, that the sozo work of Jesus Christ would be received. To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And I love the becoming part. I've been saved for 45 years, and yet I am still becoming each day more and more what he's designed for me to be. First of all, as a son. And for you, that's your primary identity. You're a son or a daughter of the living God. No measuring, no comparing to another person. You're like the only person on the planet that's hardwired the way you are. And he's drawing you into that place of intimacy, into a relational place 
of recognizing who you are, not what you do. The doing flows out of who you are and the empowerment and the gift and the calling that's been given to every one of us. So would you pray with me? Father, we take this word tonight of the foundation of that precious dimension of being saved, of salvation, of sozo, and what all it means, the encompassing of the full intended purpose of the Father heart of God. And Lord, if there's anyone out there tonight that's never made you Lord, or that has wandered off the trail, I pray, Father, that the brooding power of the Spirit of God would rest upon them and remind them, O Spirit of God, of the Father's love. God's the love that he gave Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him or re-believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And receive what is being offered in and through the person of Jesus Christ. You made propitiation for our, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. The availability of this is there. And so simple prayer. Oh, Jesus, I receive you. I take hold of what you have done. I believe that you died on a cross for me. And I receive that you've been raised from the dead, as Jake ministered to us earlier. And that because you've been raised, that I too will be raised to you because I receive you as my Lord and my Savior and I surrender to you in Jesus' holy name. And you don't even need all those words as Jesus, I receive you now. I declare that you're my Lord. Keep it simple, but receive all that he's intended and he's purposed for you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.